here we go. Today, we are serving up another dish of forbidden fruit. That There is so much of it. It is plentiful. We have forbidden fruit. We got grape juice. We got orange juice. We got lemonade. We got so much juice to go around. What was Marvel and DC doing? What were they thinking when they decided to merge characters, merge universes? It was so popular, they did it twice, and that was it. The Amalgam Universe, amalgamated comic books. We are all over it on today's all-new episode of Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I make the comics and here we talk about the comics. And thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. Uh, today's, today's episode really celebrates a, a, an incredibly fun event that happened in comics that also happens to be filed under the forbidden fruit that we seem to have an overabundance an overabundance of forbidden fruit, these these comic books that cannot seem to find their way back to you, even though in their first outing, they were truly spectacular and deserving of re-examination and, and being out there for you to enjoy. But before we get to the latest edition of our uh, uh, forbidden fruit, so much has been made lately, uh, uh, the last couple of weeks, of of rankings and sales charts in the business of comic books and right now one of the aspects of the giant writers and actor strike that's going on in hollywood concerns one of its it's it's not the biggest portion of contention by far but but there's an aspect of like show us the streaming numbers and i just long ago just kind of gave up like i don't really know what stranger things you know, gets an eyeball. Somebody gives me an estimate based on their best guesses, but they're not giving you their best guesses. I have a friend who works at one of those streaming streaming networks, and he says that it is so exciting when a show goes live and you can see it light up all over the world, okay? And you can see how the show is doing in New Zealand and in Canada and, and over in London, everywhere. They have those numbers. They see those performances. For whatever reason, they don't share it with us. I got a notification uh, two days ago about how Ahsoka did on, uh, on, on Disney+. Plus. I don't care. It doesn't make me like it or dislike it. And it, it's really interesting because the charts were so important for so long. And, you know, I, there's a lot of movies I love. I'll, I'll tell you right now. There's a lot of King Arthur movies I love that didn't do well at the box office. Do you think I'm not going to like King Arthur? Or do you think I'm going to like something I don't really care about more if it's doing well? Uh, I, I, I'm not. It's just that's, that's not how it's going to happen. I like the box office derby, but here I'm going to do what you guys do. I'm going I'm to qualify this. I like it when it's about stuff I like the most, okay? It's, I like it when I'm invested in something. But... So we've got this entire industry, Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Plus, Max, Disney Plus, uh, Peacock, what, what else did I forget? And, and they're not showing you their numbers. And, and I'm not sure we're ever going to get a good look at them, but I don't really care. 
uh, if it does well or if it doesn't do well, I, I watch it, okay? I watch it. Now, I understand some of those numbers are important to keep some of those shows alive. I got it. Uh, I think you, you're aware, my, my member of my family, my son is an actor. So yeah, I understand that that uh, matters for his employment and performance. But as far as whether or not I'm, it's going to change my, my personal interaction, enjoyment, uh, you know, my, my respect for, for uh, uh, a piece of art, it's not. It's just not. Now, you're like, but Lightfield, you always talk about how well you sold. Okay, let's let's nip that one in the bud. Me and my peers, yeah, we were. It was an incredible time, in an incredibly competitive time. Like there wasn't, like I mean, here's the deal: there were video games and 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 movies and other all all sorts of other platforms when we were doing our thing. But a couple episodes back, and thank you, many of you enjoyed when when I when I would share those numbers. A million copies of Star Wars is a million copies of Star Wars in 2015, 2014. But it had 100 covers. So you tell me, what's more important? The, the, the comic that sells a million, like Youngblood, with no variants? It had a flip cover. That's it. It had a flip cover. We advertised it with a flip cover. When you ordered that book, there was only the flip cover. I, for sell-through reasons, gave you different colored versions of the back cover or one of the flips, but that you didn't order it based on that. You didn't order based on a purple sky and an orange sky. You just ordered Youngblood, period. It, it, had, a, it had a flip cover. Sold a million copies. Okay. What's more impressive, selling a million copies of something with one cover or selling a million copies of something with 100 covers, okay? I think we've answered that question too. But in the world we live in right now, here's where I just kind of go, the, the, the sales charts are completely out of whack. And if you want your practical reason why you're not getting them, it's because uh, Diamond used to distribute everybody and all of the numbers went through Diamond. They are the distributor and they were the distributor for at least two decades of of your you know collecting your your consuming of comic books that if you had started in 2000 okay but since the pandemic dc went to lunar images headed to lunar i think idw is already at lunar marvel went to penguin primarily and then diamond can give you uh marvel books at a different rate than than penguin gets them but your best deal is going with penguin direct so we are now at the very least talking about Three different primary distributors that are distributing six, seven publishing labels more, okay? And obviously, Diamond is huge into cards and toys. They would tell you uh, they're a card and toy distributor more than their comic book distributor at this moment. And they wouldn't be wrong. Have you seen their Diamond uh, booths when they set up at the big shows like New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con? They are it's 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 a neighborhood of toys. They they have like a you know a block that you walk through. I know I I buy those toys. I buy this. I buy the Diamond Star Wars exclusives, the GI Joe exclusives, the Marvel, the DC. I get it. It's that 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 is a a global business. They're in that business, but the comic books are now shared with Lunar, who who has several companies, and and Penguin, who has the big dog, the the biggest publisher on the market is Marvel. So people. You know, they want their rankings. They want their numbers. Except, are we even selling? I mean, I, I said I said this the other day. So, so, so I'll, I'll be, I'll, uh, before we get into our forbidden fruit, I will uh, share with you a tweet. Because we love to read tweets. Tweets are so fun. 
Uh, here, here is a tweet that I had put out regarding this. And, and what's interestingly enough is the reply to the tweet. I, I read the tweet to share the reply because the reply is where you know, so much of, like I said, the, the sharing goes, I'm on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, by the way, I'm going to do that again at the end of the show, but I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. So, uh, I have a little blue check. It's a little pesky. It comes in, it comes out, but, but it's, it's back in right now. It's R O B E R T L I E F E L D. And what I shared the other day was in response to this entire like ranking sales and the, the, again, the responses were just, they, they were phenomenal. The, the idea, again, that we are going to, uh, with, with three different distributors, kind of get any, any, any sort of clarity on this matter, that's just not going to happen. I made two tweets. One, I, uh, I, I put out, it says, when a comic book sales are thousands of dead copies, and, I, and by that I mean dead stock, that go immediately to the back room because they were a forced purchase for a quote-unquote chase incentive that barely qualifies. Sales charts aren't paramount to the industry's success today. That's what I believe. To follow it up, I said, we all have that retailer whose top comic in the store routinely sells 125 copies. That means your best-selling Spider-Man or Batman, you move 125 copies of that off your shelf. So we all have that retailer whose top comic routinely sells 125 copies. When that retailer buys 3,000 copies of a book for three copies of a one in 1,000 edition, and those remaining copies are pulped, that is not a sales barometer. That's a trick. And it's a nice trick if you can pull it off. Okay? So <clears throat> this was great. This is when... uh uh uh. uh my, my my boy Sam Finley. I don't know Sam, but he uh, he he weighed in. He is from South Carolina. Sam Finley said we have a local shop here that ordered ten thousand copies of Berserker number one to get ten of the Keanu Reeves signed one in one thousand variants. He literally took a pallet full of comic books to the recycling center. A pallet full, he says. And uh, again, that 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 response is indicative of what i'm talking about that is those aren't sales that's an achievement that's an achievement but they're not sales but you're like life it, it it counted yes it counted it did count as a sale but they're not going to anyone but the trash bin or the wood chipper a uh, guy came knocking my door the other day it's I, I i figured i this is the third guy in a week i should take the hint i need my trees trimmed uh at the end you know they they literally cut off a gazillion branches uh, our two main trees on our on our front property, and and I was so excited because part of the deal they're going to take them away. They pulled up at the end after the hour that the, the the two guys with all their contraptions were were taken down by branches and trimming and thinning and and lacing the tree. All these terms that I that I got. Well, there was a there was like a small forest on my front property, and then they brought the wood chipper, and they just kept shoving those gigantic branches. And of course, my wife is like, this is like Fargo because that's where her grizzly brain lives. But watching those branches become, you know, wood chips, become, uh, you know, <laughs> sawdust. <laughs> okay. That is what we're talking about with these extra copies. Okay. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not the same as it used to. And one of these 
extra incentives, one of these one in 1,000 incentives that we did recently. Uh, not we, but somebody in the comic book industry. I'm, if memory serves, there was also a CGC component to it. That CGC flew and had a witness as copies were signed of the one in 1,000. So it was greater than just order it. It's you're going to get it signed and 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 cleared to go straight to CGC. So we're we're charting that stuff, you know, and 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 let's say that one of those let's say that one of those special ebooks that we've already talked about is currently selling 26,000 copies. Wait, but I thought it launched with half a million copies, half a million rigged tricked copies, CGC witnessing, come on. Uh, and some of these people used to vocally talk against variants. And then you go, why is this happening? Because achievements, no matter how the rig, uh, achievements get logged and they get, you know, they, they, they get, you may have a retail partner that needs, you, you go, hey man, we're ballers. We, uh, we did this. We, we, we established all these copies. So again, we are just living in a different time. And you're like, hey, you the host of this show, you were part of that. You know, there were five trading cards in the same issue of X Force. Did you know that that's why X Force is listed as the number one selling comic of 1991? It is. Go go to the diamond charts. Uh, but you're like, but X Men, yes, X Men was sold uh, on five different weeks with five different editions. This is what the charts will tell you. I learned this going there. But because all of X Force came out in one week, one copy, but the poly bags did have different uh, cards in them. Because it was released in one week rather than staggered over five, they collated it differently. So all of that craziness started back then. All of that uh, craziness. And, and, and when I read you the numbers for 1993, that was all part of a specialty uh, polybagged comic. So yes, the, the, the sales achievements are, are being achieved with, you know, one in 1,000s, one in 1,000 personally signed at the printer with the CGC witness on hand. They, they are great tricks if you can get them. And does, you know, as my buddy would say, hey, that money spends. It sure does. If you're that publisher, you got paid on every single copy, whether they're going in the wood chipper or not. But I just don't see how the benefit of trying to figure out everyone's sales, and you're not going to figure out everyone's sales. Marvel's not releasing complete sales data. Neither is DC, neither is Image. And at the end of the day, I don't know why one selling better than the other would make something better. It's just, look, products coming in, customers are coming in, and uh, we're just thankful that we can use each and every aspect of what we do to get comics into people's hands. I prefer it absolutely the most when they are reader copies, but I understand because I do variants too. And I've told you uh, if John Byrne had been doing two covers to every issue of his X-Men, I would have bought them. Had George Perez been doing two, let's go three covers to every issue of Teen Titans that he was doing in the 80s, I would have bought them. I just wanted the art. It, it, it had to be them on the, on the cover though. I needed a John Byrne, Terry Austin cover. That's what I'm talking about. Give me two Days of Future Past covers, okay? Give me two Dark Phoenix covers. Give me two, you know, uh, 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 Proteus covers. Same, ditto, ditto Frank Miller. Give me, give me more covers on Electra. I'd have bought it because I just want that art, okay? But we are definitely li living in a different time. We can all acknowledge that. I just don't see how benefit of sales is going to change, like, 
anyone's expectations because I read these headlines. We need these. We need these to, 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 you know, to survive and to thrive. I, I don't see it. So, hey, 15 minutes into this, there's my opinion on what's going on currently in comic books. Uh, I, am, I am a publisher. I am a creator. I'm a writer. I am an artist. Uh, again, I, I just believe that if you are actually making the comics, producing them uh, with, with, you know, with your talents, writing them, drawing them, you get to weigh in the, the most fervently. Uh, it, it, it is the most dedicated form of participation in, 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 this, uh, in this realm. In, in, as, as recently as 10 years ago, uh, I, had re- I had all my catalog, my, 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 uh, my, my characters, my, my, my uh, catalog stuff was the, the library that I have. I had uh, Prophet coming out, Glory coming out, Supreme coming out, Bloodstrike coming out, uh, uh, Youngblood coming out. I had five of the extreme kind of titles reignited with different creative teams coming out regularly from Image Comics. I wasn't drawing any of them. They were all by new creative teams. And so while I was indeed publishing those books, I wasn't making them by hand. I believe making them by hand is, is, is an essential component to, get, to, to getting the fullest uh, version and view and, and, and weighing in. That, that's my personal opinion. That is my personal opinion on the matter. But hey, what is the forbidden fruit? What if I told you that the most forbidden fruit that we have yet to cover and we are knee deep into fruit. I mean, we're like, uh, I'm going to really date myself. I love Lucy. You're like, who, what, what? It's a black and white. It's a, maybe the most popular sitcom, uh, television show of all time. Lucille Ball. Uh, there's an episode where she stomps grapes to make wine. Pretty funny. Uh, great episode. Cause I used to watch those reruns all summer long. And, uh, you know, she was, she was mid, mid feet deep at some point. I mean, we're knee deep into forbidden fruits. We're knee deep into the wine juice, into the grape juice, into the orange juice, into the lemonade. Okay. These forbidden fruits, they're stacking up today. We are discussing this glorious time in 1996, again, with the nineties, the amalgam age of comics. What a blast. I am not sure that there is a more fun event that was produced by Marvel or DC Comics uh, during the 90s than this. Marvel and DC came together. They did a series called Marvel versus DC, and then for two issues, DC versus Marvel, because you got to you know get it back and forth. They did this in 1996. Started you know started brainstorming this in 95. This stuff is released in 96. It's because it was their answer to what was going on in regards to the implosion. Uh, you know, all those Return of Superman copies that were killing stores that were like, wait, but you told me this was going to sell as well as Death of Superman. Uh, Marvel and DC put their heads together and uh, they decided we could probably do a lot of good and benefit everybody by uniting our forces. And they did. And that Marvel versus DC, DC versus Marvel uh, series was fantastic. Great art by not only Dan Jurgens, but an incredible European artist named Claudio Castellini. Uh, I believe it was written by Peter David and Ron Mars. And in the middle of the story, in order to preserve the destruction of both universes as the Marvel and DC universes were colliding and everybody was fighting each other, and there was uh, two, I believe, cosmic entities battling, the Living Tribunal. A, a uh, Marvel entity, uh, mainly found in the pages of Doctor Strange prior to that, and Doctor Fate, uh, 
DC's basically Sorcerer Supreme. They decided that to preserve, this, this is just kind of a glossary of, of what happened to get us to the amalgam age of comics. They created a shared universe that became a fictitious label that Marvel and DC leaned all the way into. And uh, I believe it was one of the, it was like a fifth week event, which is sometimes at the end of a month, you know, in some months you get five weeks. It was at the end of whatever month that these were the only books that shipped. Marvel and DC did not ship any of their normal books that month. No X-Men, no Spider-Man, no Batman, no Justice League. And they gave us the amalgam age of comics, which sought to combine, like, say, Wolverine and Batman. And man, if this is your first time hearing this, or person, if this is your first time hearing this, uh, man, I, I just I just think you are going to completely dig this. It will blow your mind. Look, everybody at Image Comics was a fan of this. Like, we were on the sidelines. We were fans. We were participating as fans, like you, getting them. Uh, at the stores, I could not have been more excited. They put together some really great creative teams. They uh, produced 12 titles in the first year. It was so popular. They they came back in 1997 and did the return of the Amalgam Universe. And in the Amalgam Universe, you got such titles as Magneto and the Metal Men, okay? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 these, like, literally... Could not have been more inspired. I, I I remember just as a I'm I'm a peer. I'm working in comics, but at the same time, I'm like, holy crap! Like, could this get any more exciting? And I I was so thrilled to just sit back and get these books. And <clears throat> the amalgam age of comics represents, I think, the best of what comic books comic book creators comic book publishers can do when they um when they unite for this great cause and it was to help retailers anytime marvel and dc are going to fight each other because I, I told you 1976 is the first of these superman versus spider-man art by ross andrew uh some touched up and finished art by neil adams inked by dick giordano backgrounds by terry austin uh visuals just spectacular and if you go, how can Superman and Spider-Man fight each other, much less team up? You got to read it. Lex Luthor, Doc Ock. The sequel is Dr. Doom. Holy crap, Dr. Doom. It's drawn by John Buscema. It's inked by Joe Sinnott. Wonder Woman and Hulk are along for the ride this time. The Parasite is the DC villain. Uh, just incredible adventures. There was supposed to be a Justice League Avengers during that time. There was a huge fallout. I've done a dedicated podcast on the fallout of that Marvel DC crossover back in the day, uh, you, you get George Perez's version because he was the guy tapped to draw it. He was very uh, upset at how it all went down. Jim Shooter was, uh, you know, according to him, running out of patience. DC uh, felt that 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 they were they had the higher ground. It's just a crazy story of how the original Justice League Avengers fell apart. And after X Men Titans with Chris Claremont, Walt Simonson, and Terry Austin. They ceased operations for a long time. They didn't cooperate. And so then they had been doing some, you know, Punisher, Batman team ups. They had been doing some, you know, some, some, some uh, special events. But this was a giant, both companies coming together to produce this Marvel versus DC. They would then later on do something called All Access. They really leaned into this. These books did very well. How could they not do very well? It's Hulk fighting Superman. 
It's the X-Men versus the Justice League, the Avengers versus the Justice League, the Titans. Just killer, killer concept. So the Amalgam Age of Comics. DC gave you Amazon, which is Storm, Aurora from the X-Men, uh, merged with Wonder Woman's story. They gave you Doctor Strange Fate, which was merging Doctor Fate and Doctor Strange. JLX kind of speaks for itself. Some X-Men, some Justice League. Legends of the Dark Claw, which is Batman and Wolverine combined into one character. And one of my favorites, Super Soldier, which is Superman meets Captain America. The amalgam comics that Marvel produced were uh, equally as exciting. Bruce Wayne, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., combining Nick Fury, uh, Bruce Wayne. Bullets and Bracelets, which was wild, which was Wonder Woman and Punisher. Uh, the aforementioned Magneto and the Magnetic Men. Speed, uh, which obviously Magneto and the Magnetic Men combined kind of X-Men and the, the, the Metal Men concept from D.C. Uh, Speed Demon, Ghost Rider and Flash, Hello Anyone, Killer, just Killer, Spider-Boy, Incorporated Superboy and Spider-Man, and finally X-Patrol, which gave fans who had been arguing for years that Doom Patrol, guy in a wheelchair, heading uh, a group of outcasts, which came out almost the exact same time that the original X-Men came out. Guy in a wheelchair leading a group of outcasts. X-Patrol combined X-Men and Doom Patrol. And boy, it was just an absolute blast. That first amalgam age of comics. The the sequel a year later brought uh, Bat Thing, Dark Claw Adventures, Generation Hex, JLX Unleashed, Lobo the Duck, combining Howard the Duck and Lobo. Another Super Soldier edition. Challengers of the Fantastic. Uniting both Jack Kirby brain children, Challengers of the Unknown and Fantastic Four. The exciting X-Patrol, continuing our killer X-Men Doom Patrol uh, amalgamation. Iron Lantern, which brought, brought you Iron Man with Green Lantern. Uh, then, they, then they did another Magnetic Men because that was a real favorite. Uh, Spider-Boy Team-Up, where Spider-Boy has like a Marvel team-up type, or uh, a DC Comics Presents. And then one of the greats, Thor Ryan of the... New Asgods, which combined again two Kirby greats, Thor and the New Gods. These books were heavily anticipated, really out of left field, again, representing the best in terms of creativity and imagination, and I would say gumption and just the spirit of cooperative uh, co- cooperation that we just don't see as much again uh, amongst the two corporations now because so much has changed. But I'm going to go ahead and share with you uh, some of the creative teams as I I have both trade paperbacks released in 1996. Now, the forbidden fruit aspect of this is you're never seeing these again. <laughs> I mean, you're not getting your hands on these books anytime soon. Uh, the, the Marvel of 1996 and the DC of 1996 no longer exist in those, you know, in those ways, shapes, forms, capacities. Marvel is now owned by Disney. To quote the high-ranking Disney executive that I know very well, Disney doesn't share. Okay, period. Disney does not share. When I was renegotiating a contract of mine at some point, good God, almost 15 years ago, definitely 14 years ago, 
uh, I had put in a request because the my own library of characters, much like Jim's and much like Mark Silvestri, we had all done team ups with the DC Universe. Mark had done like Witchblade, Ghost Rider. Uh, I had done Prophet Cable, Spider-Man Bad Rock, Youngblood X-Force. So I put in during this renegotiation, because that's what you do. You put in your wish list. I said, hey, I would like to do a series of, you know, Deadpool, X-Force, Cable with, with uh, Bloodstrike Brigade, my, the, the Prophet, do, revisit those. And they said, uh, under no circumstances, Disney will no longer be facilitating these team-ups. Now, the last most famous one that we got was in 2002 with the JLA Avengers when it finally came back to life. Uh, I would have preferred the original. I'll, I'll go to my grave saying it. I think, I think this version may have uh, bitten off more than it could chew, but it was an admirable effort, absolutely. And I have all of the different editions of it. I have the absolute edition, the, 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 the slipcase hardcover. Upon uh, learning that George Perez, the artist who gave us both the original unpublished version as well as the new, much more ambitious four-issue, uh, <clears throat> very Where's Waldo. I mean, so many characters. Uh, I, and look, here's the deal. I have pages from the new one. I, I, I liked it enough to buy from it. I just favored the original because uh, I think it was George at his absolute peak, and it's just a crime that that uh, 1983 vision didn't, didn't get to come out, whatever the conditions that prevented it were. But... They did that. It came out. Marvel and DC united again in the early 2000s. And upon learning that George was uh, given a uh, uh, terminal uh, diagnosis and, and, and had announced that he was going to for, forsake any further treatment and just kind of, uh, you know, prepare to die. Uh, and we, we all remember that period. We were in mourning and, and we celebrated his life. And part of what happened was. Uh, DC and Marvel were able to, after prolonged negotiations, come to a one-time reprint of that in a trade paperback, and they produced it, it was either five or six thousand copies, and then it was kind of a lottery system. Uh, no matter how many you ordered, how how many your store got. I was on. Uh, I, I made sure that I was one of the earliest on the wait list when the news started leaking out, and I was able to get my hands on one, and that. The, the whole part of the negotiation was that there would be a very limited edition version of this because it basically goes against both Warner Brothers and DC's now corporate, you know, uh, practices to to not promote anything other than the home brand than 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 the uh, the product which which they are a hundred percent responsible for. You don't uh, when when Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck are running alongside Spider Man. And Wolverine, that is because Disney owns all of them. When Darth Vader can be pictured alongside Spider-Man in an advertisement or whatever, obviously it's because Disney owns those brands. With this new corporate world, people don't like to share, and they believe that the sharing of the brand is uh, sometimes uh, the, the understanding goes that by sharing my brand, my superior brand, that... Uh, I'm elevating your inferior brand. And if you're like, Rob, I don't really understand. Yeah, you do. You've been to a car dealership. Do, do you really think that the people who make Mercedes believe that BMWs are on the same par a, a, as their car? And BMW people don't believe that Mercedes can sniff their trunk, okay? Uh, and then go to the Jaguar dealership. 
the Jaguar dealership doesn't believe that their their products, their cars, their vehicles should be in any way associated with Mercedes or BMW because they are the superior car. So you get it when you go to car dealerships or on a Saturday college matchup, okay? Trojans, Bruins, been doing this my whole life. It was shocking to me that they were able to come up with a contract to exit the Pac-12. I mean, and to work together in that way. But there was a there was a mutual goal there and they worked towards it. So sometimes, very rarely do you find that. But sticking with the car dealership, Mercedes views itself as superior to BMW. BMW views itself as superior to Mercedes. Jaguar, you know, views themselves as superior to both. So that is basically the the corporate leanings here is that we don't produce anything that elevates something that we don't own. That's really it. We what we don't share means we have to own it because if we own it, then we can uh, exploit it, exploit it to the fullest. So Marvel and DC don't really play in the sandbox anymore because they are uh, competitors on the highest level. Do I, as I speak into this blue Yeti microphone, giving you this edition of observation, do I believe that at some point that we will find that they, they will find a way to to get together again, just like they did, except in a bigger, broader capacity on the JLA Avengers, which was again an extremely limited release, and and George Perez was a beloved talent at both companies, having done incredible achievements at both companies. So I believe he had maybe the most shared equity of any creator that I can remember, especially artistic creator. That, that would bring both sides to the table to uh, give this special edition. And really, I mean, it, it was looked on almost as an in, in memoriam edition of this, this book that they did together. So, hey, I'm glad it was produced at all. And, and, the, and, and the, the proceeds went to a charity. So again, there was an end goal of neither side is really profiting from this, even though it is limited in its editions. That is the really the only case of them interacting over the better part of two decades. So when I say that this stuff is forbidden fruit and it's off the table, it's forbidden fruit and it's off the table, especially given that you can't produce something that is half Wolverine, half Batman when you don't have control of either both Batman and Wolverine. And these amalgamations, which are incredibly spirited and incredibly just uh, inspired comic books. I mean, I think, and anyone who got handed those assignments, I, I gotta be honest, I've told you before, there are times I do, I feel true envy over diff- different assignments that are handed out. And this is the one that I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, Super Soldier, Dave Gibbons, Watchmen brings it to bear. He absolutely 100% crushes it. You can tell that he really rose to the occasion. DC and Marvel both put out trade paperbacks of each of their six productions. And Dave Gibbons did a uh, wraparound cover on both. And, and uh, on, on the, it says the Amalgam Age of Comics, the DC collection. You got the Amazon, which is the Storm and Wonder Woman amalgamation front and center. You've got Super Soldier, which is the Superman Captain America combination instead of a uh, giant Captain America shield, super soldier in very much a combination of caps, chain mail with Superman's trunks and there's the stars and the stripes. He's holding a giant Superman shield, like what would you, what you would have seen on his normal costumes chest piece. Then Dar- uh, Dark Claw, 
Is that what we're calling the Batman? I know I already said it, but uh, here, just let me flip through it. Oh, Doctor Strange Fate had some amazing art too. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez inked by Kevin Nolan, JLX. What else we got here? There it is. There's Dark Claw. <laughs> uh, Dark Claw. Yep, yep. Dark Claw and, and uh, his bad guy, which was a combination of Joker and Sabretooth was called Hyena. Okay. And, and instead of Robin, it was Sparrow, who looked like Jubilee meets Robin. So these are super inspired, really fun, and uh, just absolutely took, uh, took just, it really, really excited the fan base. I was there the Wednesday these came out. I grabbed all of them. And so as back issues, still they exist. I looked online before I came on with you. Uh, these are going for about 50 bucks. I, I found a bunch of them for 50 bucks on eBay. Uh, these were $12.95, the trade paperback. So to, to get the tra- trade paperback, and I don't think there's a huge volume for them, but to get the trade paperback, uh, you know, it's going to cost you between 45, 50 bucks. The individual issues are Somewhere in your retailer's back issue bin, good luck, and I wish you well in regards to, to tracking those down. Again, the, uh, <laughs> the, the bullets and bracelets, uh, bracelets is, is uh, drawn by Gary Frank. It's, it's ridiculously beautiful. It's uh, written by John Ostrander. And so uh, here, here, here's the, uh, remember how I told you like, like the, bull, the, the, the slug lines? At the top of like the X Men, Uncanny X Men says like like, uh, you know, hated and feared by those they've sworn to protect. Tells you everything. They have those on these. It says uh, the slug line on bullets and bracelets, which is Wonder Woman, traditionally Wonder Woman. Uh, so so Amazon was the Storm version of Wonder Woman. She has actually Wonder Woman's costume. Uh, Princess Diana is almost in like a Black Canary costume, but she is teamed with the Punisher. But it says she is Princess Diana, rogue Amazon from Paradise Island who left years ago to investigate man's world. He is Trevor Castle. <laughs> so so they're <laughs> they combined her boyfriend uh, with Frank Castle, uh, a former special forces operative who, when he saw his family killed, waged war against the mafia as the Punisher. Now, because you demanded it, they are reunited in a clash of bullets and bracelets. Diana Prince and Trevor Castle are together again. And their their bad guy was Thanoside. They combined Thanos and Darkseid into one guy. You're only going to get that here. Uh, Magneto and the Metal Men. Magneto and the Magnetic Men, which is a takeoff of Metal Men with uh, Magneto helming them, uh, is drawn by Jeff Matsuda and Art Tiber, both uh, Extreme Studios alums could not have been prouder of the work that they put forth here. The art and the fun going on on these pages is outstanding. It, it, these are such great entries. Speed Demon again, uh, Ghost Rider and and Flash, and it, th- this is drawn by Salvador Larocca and uh, written by Howard Mackey, and uh, just just super great visuals, fun uh, in in each. Story, there's you know another version of like an amalgamated character, even though they weren't given their own uh titles. Like, uh, like Uatu is is a uh is a guardian of of like from from the uh from from Green Lantern uh combined with the Watcher and uh the Star Brand 
core is is uh, what Hal Jordan is 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 cast from, and then of course the the the, the Ghost Rider demon inhabits him. He becomes Speed Demon, uh, or or no, Hal Jordan is just doing his own thing. Sorry, uh, Hal Jordan. Does he summon the Speed Demon? Madman Jordan has a defender. Yeah. I need to get reacquainted with Speed Demon. I don't think I I, I had that right, but I am just having a, a good time looking at these killer pages. Uh, Spider Boy, another standout by uh, Mike Waringo, inked by Gary Martin, written by Carl Kiesel. Uh, this was combining the Superboy of the time with really the uh, right in the middle of the Clone Saga with uh, with with, with Spider Man. This this has again. Outstanding art on the first page. There is a takeoff of uh, that. <laughs> there is a takeoff of Bizarro and Carnage called Bizarnage. Bizarnage. And if you are going to experience these for the first time, you're going to have the best time because, again, the imagination. You know, and, and as you look at them, you're going to wonder, what about some cartoons? Couldn't they do a cartoon? Couldn't they come together? Look, we would all love for them to come together in any capacity and give us some version of this. I just wouldn't hold my breath. That's why it's a forbidden fruit. That's why these trade paperbacks aren't, there's no updates. They're from 1996. And the DC versus Marvel miniseries that spawned this amalgam universe uh, was out in, again, that trade paperback is long out of print. Uh, X Patrol had Niles Cable combining uh, the leader of the Doom Patrol and Cable. Uh, it had uh, Pharaoh Man, which which uh, combined actually a Legionnaire with Colossal Boy, and then the bad guy is Doctor Doomsday. Doomsday in Doctor Doom armor. Yes, you cannot make this up. Uh, Starfire. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think her name's Shatter Starfire, uh, but. Uh, just has Shatterstar's gear. Starfire is wearing Shatterstar's gear. And I'm telling you, uh, these characters, these uh, these visuals, this is drawn by Roger Cruz, extremely uh, inspired. Yes, her name is Shatterstarfire. I, Shatterstarfire. Beast and Changeling have been combined. He looks exactly like the Beast, except he is green. Oh, man. Uh, Beastling, Beastling. Um, uh, uh, the amalgam books are fantastic. They are such a blast, such great escape. And kudos to the spirit of unity that brought all this together. Let me tell you, um, the, the the guys that had the most fun editing these, uh, the the uh, let me see, let's keep, keep turning pages here. So the guy that the 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 teams from Marvel that had the most fun editing these are Bobby Chase, Mark Powers, James Felder, Tom Brevoort, Jay Gardner, and Chris Cooper. The teams over at DC that had the best times editing, collating, brainstorming, putting these together are Paul Kupperberg, Kevin Dooley, Dan Thorsland, Brian Augustin, Denny O'Neill, and Casey Carlson. The two brain children are one, the late great Mark Grunewald and Mike Carlin, whom I dueled with on Hawk and Dove. They uh, would present themselves in the uh, forewords of both books as M.M. Carwald, Carwald uh, combining, combining their identities and sometimes merging their photographs. Uh, the Marvel 
One is dedicated to Mark Grunewald. It says dedicated to Mark Grunewald and the kind of fun comics that brought him in and that he put out. Mark Grunewald, if you've listened to my show uh, any, any length of time, or maybe it's the first time, Mark Grunewald hired me. He put, he put me in comics. He is the reason I am in comic books. There have been some, just don't read some terrible lies. There is a, a book, I'll be honest, it's uh, by, I don't even like to say the authors, but people hold that book up. Uh, and I have to say this because if, if someone wrote in a book that your work uh, generated a heart attack in a man and that many believe that the work that you did is what killed him, you would respond publicly as well. Mark Grunewald reached his hand across the table at the very first WonderCon in Oakland, California in the uh, spring, uh, late winter, early spring of 1987 and hired me, hired me on to be part of Marvel Comics. And that gave me my big launch. And Dick Giordano, who had taken my samples back home with them, contacted me a couple weeks later. But Mark did it right on the spot. Got me some Marvel Universe handbook stuff. And that is how I got in in the Jim Shooter era of comic books. It was a few weeks before Jim Shooter was removed. Mark Grunewald called me up when I wanted to do a different project and said, Rob, I really want to stress to you that I think the New Mutants is the best opportunity for you right now. I know, I, want, I know you want to draw a book called The Young Avengers, but you've got a bird in the hand. Don't wait for two in the bush. And that was, I'd heard that phrase my whole life up until that point, but it was never more clear the intent until Mike, Mark Grunewald called me to tell me they're, they're really looking forward to having you on New Mutants. They want to uh, have a great time with you on New Mutants and you should do the New Mutants. And I shudder to think if I had not had that very stern phone call where my career would have gone. Mark Grunewald uh, hired me, put, put me in this business, gave me my first work, and uh, made sure that I stayed the course and stayed on New Mutants, which was a transformative kind of career move for me. Uh, there's a book about Marvel Comics and its history that did not talk to myself or any of the image guys. None of us. We've all talked. None of us were received a call. When I called this person out on it about 12 years ago publicly on Twitter, he's like, well, we could talk for the trade paperback. No, we're not going to talk, period. If, you, if it wasn't important for you to get the facts the first time and for you to follow your bias agenda, which was full of a lot of hate and negativity towards me and my image peers, and it implied that Captain America number one, my heroes reborn, Captain America number one, uh, that Mark Grunewald uh, read it and suffered a stroke, a heart attack as a result. That is implied and it is ugly and it is also not true. Uh, we as an industry mourned that weekend that we heard that Mark Grunewald, because I, I grew up uh, reading Mark Grunewald's Marvel 2 and ones There was a period for a year that that was my favorite comic book. Project Pegasus, The Serpent Crown Affair, and then the uh, Adam Warlock, she or her, him saga that followed uh, m- with art from John Byrne, George Perez, Jerry Bingham. Th- that stuff is just automatic to me. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember when Mark Grunewald was announced as writing and drawing the hockey mini- Hawkeye, Hawkeye miniseries. And I was like, Mark Grunewald can draw? Super talented guy. One of these amalgam books is dedicated to him. He and uh, Carlin got together, spearheaded this, and created some great magic. It is a shame that we may never see these amalgam characters again. They came back, many of them, for the sequel in 1997, the return to the Amalgam universe, gave you more X-Patrol, more Super Soldier, 
uh, really incredible stuff. Thor Ryan and and uh, and Iron Lantern are are standouts from that that second second one as well. Really great comics, super fun exchange. Could not keep doing this show if I did not give Amalgam uh, in the Amalgam Age of Comics its due. What a great idea! Embedded in the story of Marvel versus DC. Uh, to preserve both universes for one week, you got this fictitious label, Amalgam Comics, a merger of Marvel and DC that in another world gave us these characters. And I am still hopeful that someday we get a continuation of this. Am I doubtful? Is that hope bleak? It is, but you know, whatever. You always try and look on the sunny side of things. So, hey, the Amalgam Age of Comics rocked. It was an event that lasted for 12 issues in 1996, they came back to it in 1997. You should look at those books. I've read uh, many of the titles here today, but a Google uh, will, will lead you to, to, to where you need to go if you want to try and get these. Again, these trade paperbacks are fairly affordable given that they're out of print. Uh, more Forbidden Fruit, the 90s. We got to do DC versus Marvel, that particular uh, Forbidden Fruit. Sometimes these events, you got to know when they're special and they're only going to be available for a limited window as this particular brand of forbidden fruit is amalgam was spectacular i i I was a 30 year old man pulling up to uh in 1997 get the sequels to all these 29 and 30 uh could not get the comic store fast enough to consume these books they were that much fun and they represented again a unification of the two big dogs in the industry in order to help retailers sell books and you know, maybe at some point in time that will happen again. I know people speculate all the time about these characters meeting each other cinematically. Uh, I might've read a quote where James Gunn believes that, that we could see that someday. Hey, no one would be more excited. I just don't see it based on, you know, it's like, do it. Judge a man by his actions and the, and by the actions, uh, Disney and Warner brothers don't really dance anymore. Uh, and, and, and so, so that would be a long shot at best, but we can all hope. So, Hey, Amalgam Comics, grab them, check them out. You will absolutely dig them. Actually, you know, even looking back, looking further, I mean, think about all the different amalgamations they could do if they actually did do an update, but now what am I doing? I'm allowing myself to dream. I mean, I guess, I guess both companies are doing a good enough job doing their own amalgamations like like Venom Pool, one of my absolute favorite iterations of both Venom and Deadpool. Venom Pool is front and center in my Deadpool Batter Blood series. Took front and center in issue three and four, and I absolutely hope that you guys are able to get Deadpool Batter Blood. They're selling out. The minute they hit, I was on a live stream the other night. People were telling me how they were just, they were gone. Their stores didn't have them when they got there. So, hey, Deadpool Batter Blood 3 is in stores now. One came out in June. Two came out in July. Three was in August. Uh, issue four is out in 20 days. It's out September 20th. So maybe by the time you uh, listen to this, it'll be 17 days, 15 days, whatever. September 20th, Deadpool Batter Blood number four is coming. I want you very much to get that in your hands. I think it's actually the best individual issue of the entire series. I think it's going to just blow out of stores uh, really Great focus on Cable, Wolverine, Deadpool, and Venom Pool, and and even Spider-Man swings through that issue. So Deadpool Batter Blood number four, do not miss out. Deadpool Batter Blood three uh, is in stores now. If you can get your hands on one, it's sold out. We went back to press. There's a second uh, printing of Deadpool number one. Uh, Deadpool 
Batter Blood number two, again, out in July. You can get all of it. You can catch up, do 72 pages of it if you get the, the first three issues right now. Be on the lookout for Deadpool Batter Blood number four hitting on September 20th. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the show, for digging the show, for um, spreading good love and good cheer about the show. Today, I am going to uh, read to you a review. I read your reviews, your comments, your messages about the show at the end of each and every show. It helps us stand out so much on all the different platforms. You have championed us all summer long. We have been the number one comic book uh, podcast all summer. We, we ran through the entire summer topping the charts in the comic book division. Thank you so much for, for loving this show, for spreading the love of this show. Uh, and we really do that with the benefit of no advertisement, no special bells and whistles. It is all fueled by you. And so I am thankful for you. Today's review, again, when you leave these on the Apple platform uh, and you give us the five stars, you are so ridiculously generous. Charles Pierce is giving us five stars and he says, Rob, I am a 53-year-old comic fan and a big fan of your comic book work. I wanted to say thanks for all your stories and I love the podcast. I just Heard the Godzilla episode and memories came rushing back. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Charles Pierce. Thank you for being generous enough, taking your time to write that out and share that with us. You have been so great as as a as a group of listeners who have supported the show. That Godzilla episode is a dedicated episode done, I think, right around the time when Godzilla Kong came out, maybe two years ago, and it chronicles just the absolute excitement of a Godzilla fan, the same way the, the way I was when I was 11 years old, when Marvel started doing their dedicated Godzilla series, upon which he would encounter Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fantastic Four, Avengers. Uh, yes, Godzilla romped his way through the Marvel Universe, all drawn by the late, great, dear Herb Trimpey, who I did an, a dedicated episode on not too long ago called My Dinners with Herb. So, Check out those uh, podcasts if you want a greater view of what uh, was just mentioned there in that amazing review. The Godzilla series was a blast. So, so I am, you know, always, always very grateful whenever any of you take the time out to share. And uh, Charles Pierce, thank you so much. Thank you for that beautiful review. Hey, on social media, I am on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. R O B E R T L I E. F-E-L-D, Robert Liefeld, I read your messages, your, uh, your, your interactions, your DMs. I am so thankful that we can exchange ideas and uh, opinions and just greetings uh, via, social ma- via the social media platform that is Twitter. It's, it's one of my favorites, so I always love when you guys pop up, and thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me. I'm on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. Over on Instagram, my photo diary, what I'm drawing, what I'm eating, where I'm traveling, what I'm doing with my friends and family. I invite you to follow me on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I was able, thank you, Joy Liefeld, for the minute Instagram went up, said, you you should grab this. You're going to dig this. You're going to love this app. And I was able to, unlike on Twitter, get at Rob Liefeld. So look for me at Rob Liefeld. Both uh, the Twitter at Robert Liefeld and the Instagram at Rob Liefeld handle have blue checks that signify I am the real uh, the real person, the the uh, the certified Liefeld, not the, uh, the, the, the phonies do not accept any substitutes at Rob Liefeld over on Instagram. Look forward to seeing you. Hey, we have a Facebook group. We are having such a good time over there. Many of the discussions that we have here, we start, uh, we, we continue many of the discussions that we start here, continue over there in long form. Uh, we talk about comics, uh, toys, just, uh, art contests. We have a great art contest. My, uh, fellow administrator, Terry Sala, 
runs those art contests without fail. The polls are there. You vote on them. Please join us. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of our Facebook group. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Go to Facebook. Look that up. Uh, The administrators, moderators are myself and Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. That's how you will know you are in the right group. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Come on, join us. We're having a good time. We look forward to seeing you over there at our Facebook group. Man, I am so thankful to be able to talk to you guys each and every week. Thank you for showing up. Thank you uh, for digging this podcast. Thank you for buying my work, Deadpool Batter Blood. Uh, just thank you for all the support, just exceeding ex- all expectations over there on that book. In the interim, in the in-between times, I am hoping that you are doing great, that you are doing well. And if you're not, that you take the, the, the rest that you need, uh, get yourself right, uh, take some time off, uh, recline, watch something that you dig, a movie, a streaming show, uh, dig up an old DVD. Uh, I, I go through a lot of my childhood shows all the time. Yes, I have my HR Puffin Stuff collection at the ready. Also, with a healthy dose of Reese's Big Cups. Now, I covered this the other night on on a live stream. Look, if you're not having those Reese's Big Cups cold, mine go in the refrigerator. They get refrigerated. I need them cold. Okay, I don't want that room temperature melty stuff. I got to have a a, really a crisp uh, Reese's Big Cup with with whatever they're putting in it. Again, let's cover it. The, The categories right now are pretzels, potato chips, cereal. <laughs> I know I'm missing something. Um, hair. No, just kidding. Uh, okay. So, so get those Reese's peanut butter cups at the ready. Hey, go out, take your family to a great night out. Uh, enjoy it with family and friends. Uh, go, go to an all you need. Hey, you know what they ordered? You know what, you know what they opened in, in my city for the first time? We got a Denny's. It's the nicest damn Denny's you ever did see. You're like, life will do you. Yes, I am absolutely recommending recommending Denny's. What a fun kind of retro space to go into, get some egg, get, get breakfast at 1 a.m. Uh, like Joy and I have and just get a hot chocolate because man, that whipped cream is good. Yes, I am not here to promote anything other than cheat meals that distract you from the grind because the grind can really get, get at you. So take a break, have some great food, read some comic books, watch some movies, enjoy your family, your friends. Those are my uh, lowbrow recommendations, but I live by them. So, you know, I am lowbrow. Hey, thank you for visiting with me. Please circle back around. I will be here waiting eagerly because we most certainly, absolutely, indefinitely will talk again real soon. 